Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Welcome everybody to Growing Up Fire, episode 17. Sitting here with Ryan Coots back in the house. You asked for him, you got him. That'll teach you to ask for things. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, how things are different now. Him, him and I live in different places and work for different fire departments. And uh, we still get to talk all the time about different things. So we'll talk about what it's kind of like to be working in different places and how that works. And and then we're just going to hit it. We're going to talk about all the different things that, that we talk about with each other. Um, you know, rescue tools, firefighting techniques, training, SCBA, structure protection, the works, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of all that stuff. So it's kind of a chat with us. So thanks for being on again, Ryan. Yeah, no, thanks for having me again. I thought that I'd be my one and only maybe, but <laughs> glad to be back. The people ask, the people get. That's <laughs> how it goes for sure. Um, yeah, it worked out good. I was up here doing some eval tools at work for Seahawk up with uh, MD of Opportunities. So thanks for taking the time today. We're in beautiful Slave Lake looking out on uh, blue skies again today and checking out a nice May long weekend. Yeah, yeah. Big May long weekend. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> the old get ahead, stay ahead and then yeah. nothing happens. Yeah, exactly. Don't get ahead and the whole yeah. world falls apart. Yeah. It's a funny time of year and, and it's actually been, you know, weird it's the 10-year anniversary of the Slave Lake Fire, the five-year anniversary of the Fort Mac Fire, um, you know, a couple of years since the high-level thing. And so, you, you know, we still get people reaching out, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you end up on TV or on the radio or just talking to somebody from town. Um, it's always weird to, to think back to all those things, right? We don't want to rehash all that again. We yeah. kind of hammered that out on here. But um, it's kind of that weird kind of year where you don't know what's going to go on yeah. and what's going to happen. You see forestry, right? They're... Lots of cutbacks and changes in government, and and so you wonder what will happen when all of those things happen. So let's let's jump right to structure protection. We got time. Let's let's do that. So what uh, you guys have been developing some new courses. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's been about uh, maybe three years from the time we actually started with the Northern Lakes College um, in Slave Lake, and uh, we know we brought courses to them and kind of thought through um some of the people that have been through the crew um, people that have worked here people that are still here uh, volunteer and paid side we uh, have lots and lots of experience uh, in the structure protection uh, realm of things so we kind of came up with you know some of that money that was given to us way back when we decided you know what let's try and make a bit of a legacy and and something that uh, you know doesn't just go by the wayside. We've learned all these lessons. We always talk about lessons learned versus lessons observed, and you know the difference in actually learning from your mistakes and and trying to become better for the the future. So we wanted to take all that experience from you know all of our halls, all the people that we know, and all the people that we've worked with, great people over the years, and. Uh, try and put something together so that, uh, you know, hopefully next time this happens, because I think it's inevitable, it's gonna happen again. You know, maybe somebody can save even one more house would make it worth the the money that we've put into these courses and the time we put in these courses so far. So structure protection in Alberta is kind of this crazy thing. It's, uh, you know, happened 2011, no one really had it. It barely been talked about, a little bit of Albert Roach too, and a few courses, having a few trailers. Uh, 2011 comes they give slave like a bunch of money millions of dollars hey can you do this for us and so we start down that road and that's when ego turf time and money really kicks in right it's been kind of this disgusting mess I, i'm not scared to say to watch in alberta as a couple fire chiefs ran around and bullied everyone into doing what they wanted yeah. um, where forestry was one foot in one foot out um, you know the commissioner's office has been chopped down to next to nothing a few people work there so they've been one foot in, one foot out, and we can't really get any traction. So to me, the sad part of all of this, as you watch this all go on and, and kind of this disgusting display of nobody cares, even though we've spent billions of dollars and, and can't get our act together, it's still happening, right? There's still these close calls, structures are still getting burned down. There's still these big ego guys out there running around telling the world they're the best. And so, so how does that feel? Like that must be tough when you're still kind of stuck in the middle of it and you, and you were, on some of the crews that started it. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, the biggest thing probably for me now is that we were blessed with the money to just create our own courses. And, uh, you know, there, there's another whole big thing happening right now in Alberta with some more grants and some more training. And it, it feels as much as 
this is probably the wrong attitude to have. It feels so good to just know the money's there, be working on the courses and and not care, right? I'm not making phone calls to beg for a chance at, you know, oh, well, you know, I think this should go in the training or I think that should go in the training or, hey, we really want this, we really want that. Um, it's nice to not have to do that anymore, right? We have the money, we've been given the green light, everyone's been super supportive of it on both administrations from our, our town and our MD and, and they just wanna see uh, good things happen. They still ask about the courses, the development, all the bills get paid every time. So it's awesome to just, you know, um, it, it's really heartbreaking to see that we're still fighting this fight, but at the same time, it, it's so great to just be able to go and do our own thing and, you know, places are phoning every day asking for this course, finally finish the basic or just about finish the advanced and it's going to be awesome to get that out there too. So it's good to just kind of, you know, nobody could make up their mind. There was always money involved. So like you said, there are certain people out there that were fighting over money and stuff and it's nice to work for a place that has the money just kind of figured out this small pot that we can go ahead and do the the training and make the courses and you know, the rest doesn't really matter to us. We're, we're going out there. If people want to bring us in and they want us to teach, we're more than happy to do it and build relationships. And, you know, we go down there and, um, you know, you see the look on these guys' face. You see what they learn after. You see, right, um, I've taken a lot of fire courses and I hope to take many, many more throughout my career. And I can honestly say that just, you know, watching people after these courses, they it, their face just lights up, right? It, they, they really learn. Our courses have a ton of hands-on learning. Um, you know, we're really big on repetition and getting getting uh, lots of reps in and, and making sure that people know what they're actually doing, not just, you know, a demonstration or a video in a classroom and then, oh, you should do it like this. You know, we're all about uh, hammering out the, the reps and making sure people know what's up and set up multiple sprinkler systems while we're there. We light actual fires and get people using not the engines that we bring, their engines, right? So if they have a, a type one engine that's not set up for wildfire, we'll show them how to set it up for wildfire and how they can utilize it. Um, and again, that comes from experience, right? In in 2011, there's, we we were, some of us were here, some of us, you know, saw the, from the outside, heard stories and, you know, using a ladder truck to fight a wildfire basically, because guess what? At the time we had five units and that we that's, what, that's we what we had and that's right so and it, it's funny you know you keep learning these things even as we teach these courses uh things get brought up and they're like oh well, why doesn't this why doesn't that like just this year every single piece of apparatus that we have finally has a hundred foot length of forestry and a forestry nozzle on it right and that's things that we didn't think about for 10 years after the fire and they're like, well, why, why do we have forestry on the ladder? Well, now you're not pulling a transverse with three lengths of inch and three quarter line just to put out a little fire when all you have to do is hit, you know, this little ember fire that's in somebody's uh, mulch garden or something like that, right? It, it's been really actually sad for me to travel all across Western Canada and, and you talk to all these people and the same challenges. And the, and so, you know, here we are 10 years later, they've spent all this money on it and and they're still because of ego and turf and these few clowns that are out there running around trying to make sure that it can only be their way. It, it's just stalled. It's stalled all over uh, Western Canada. And it's really disappointing. And, and of course, you know, I get a chance now to be more vocal about it than I ever was before working in private industry and, and being out of the forest area now. And uh, it, it's like, it's time for change. I don't even know why people put up with it anymore, to be honest, 10 years, uh, millions of dollars spent to end up exactly where we were. And so, um, you know, I've been really pushing to say, oh, let's, let's decide what's gonna happen here. Let's get the right people in the room and forget the big egos, forget the big yappers, but let's get the people some experience in there to, to talk about it. And sadly, some of the big yappers are, have convinced everyone they're the right ones, right? And they've stalled it out. But, uh, you know, there's big events just happened in Saskatchewan, just happened in Manitoba. And how can we still be at that same place where we don't know, right? And uh, lessons observed. Yeah. So how does it stay in the lessons observed column and not move forward? Because of ego and turf. Mm -hmm. And it's gross and I'm sick of it. And, and so glad we're talking about it today. The... Uh, you just see it, right? There's this fight between FireSmart Canada and CIFSI and Partners in Protection and the government and municipal fire departments and, and everybody thinks they have, they have the answer and nobody will sit down and talk about it. And, and so, uh, you know, I would say if I was in the public and I was just hearing about this, I would be generally outraged 
that 10 years later, millions of dollars down the drain, um, it's still just a fight about some people's fragile egos and, and that's sick, right? So Yeah, I think the biggest heartbreaker for me is that um, if you took all the money out of it, nobody's actually, so right now we're fighting about, you know, who gets a crew or what training, you know, well, one crew does it this way and one crew does it that way. So what's the actual right way to train everyone? But we're not fighting about that. It, if there was no money on the table, no one would care what training got done, right? It would just be, okay, well, let's pick the one that looks the most right and we're gonna start doing it, right? But when there's money on the table and you might get money for your municipality to help with that training, now all of a sudden, oh no, our training's better than their training or their training's not as good as our training because there's money on the table, right? Nobody actually cares about the product. Nobody actually cares about the people. Nobody actually cares, right? It's all about, like you said, the ego turf, time and money. If there wasn't money involved, if there wasn't, nobody does it so that their name gets put on the front of the book. Nobody does it for, well, right, most they do it. Don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's the the sad the sad truth to it, right? I, I Even these crews that we talk about that are these people, these places that have, that have been putting the wrench in some of these things. Um, if we sat down in a room, our training program compared to them is very, very close. There's a couple things that we disagree on because at the end of the day, anyone who's seen it even once knows that, that, you know, it's not that far off. It's not a broad spectrum of how you do it. Uh, if we sat in a room for half a day and, and hashed it out, we would come up and make our books or our programs basically the exact same, but you can't do that because then you might lose out on some money or, or it, something. It's like sad that. for me because I know how much work and, and how much, uh, you know, investment in time that you guys all did, right? And so, you know, you're looking at Cal Fire's program, you're looking at Colorado's program, you're looking at programs across the country and you're putting in the time and you're getting the books and you're asking the questions. And some of these other guys are just like, oh, well, I know best, ask me, right? I'm the greatest, ask me, you're anyone that knows me. And so you just get stuck behind all this. And then the politicians just listen to the biggest voice and it just is this disgusting mess, right? So um, for me, I hope, you know, uh, fire commissioners across the country, their offices act different, right? In Western Canada, especially, um, you know, so I hope that government starts to get this figured out and, and move it forward. Cause we really do need to slide it from the lessons observed to lessons learned column. And we need to do it fast and we need to take out the money, right? Like you say, take out the money and only people left in it will be the ones that really care about it. So. Government of Alberta, if you're listening, take out the money and find out what happens. <laughs> um, you'll, you'll get the real people that have a passion to get this fixed and the rest will disappear. So so that's SPU work. There's been some good technology changes in that. You know, the pumps yeah. keep getting better. The, the sprinkler heads, uh, they, they all kind of work the same, right? They spray water out and that's how we use them. But where you put them on the buildings have yeah. changed and, and those exactly. kinds of things. And so I love it as I travel all over Western Canada, all the people that have ran into you guys and worked with you guys on different deployments. I run into all these people and they talk about the things that you taught them and the things that they learned um, from working with all the guys from Slave. So, you know, that makes me proud and happy. Yeah. There, There is some wins yeah. um, that as you go across the country. So uh, good luck with your training program. Keep it yeah, going. No, I, sure. I keep selling it. I'm, I'm telling people about it all the time. I want to see people use it. It's a no ego, no turf um, course that's just you know, lessons that have been learned the hard way and now they're trying to be shared, right? It's cheap, it's it's affordable, you could bring them in. And like you say, it's all based on their threat and their trucks and their equipment and their people. So um, best of luck with that. I hope you keep going with that stuff. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's, yeah, the biggest thing is, right? Obviously we've uh, made these relationships from being on different deployments and um, might sound arrogant, but we're doing the work that the province can't do from a little fire department in Northern Alberta, just by building relationships and doing it the right way. Yeah. So the roadblocks are all from the same people. Eh? Yeah. So let's switch to rescue tools. So there's another one where like there's a million <laughs> fights and, and to be fair, I think that rescue tools, bunker gear, fire trucks, hose, you know, could all fit in the same category. I think they jump over each other with new technology changes, but I mean, they're all following NFPA guidelines. They're all basically the same. I know this will hurt a bunch of people's feelings, but I mean, it's all basically the same, how they put it together, how they do it different. Um, we have, we obviously all have our biases, right? I love Hull Matro, shout out, Henry, how's she going, bud? But I think that's more of a, a people thing and a, and a, you know, I like that. I like Hull Matro. I like the new Pention tools. I like the, the batteries that they're using. I like the setup. I like the... 
I like the people that sell them and maintain them across Western Canada and, and the Canadian rep. Um, but that's not to take away from the other ones, right? I, I don't think, because I like Homatro, I don't think that Hearst is bad. I don't think that Amicist is bad. I don't think that TNT is bad. I don't, I, I got no issue with the other ones. I just have a preference, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, as we talk about it, so like electric tools, you've used some now, right? What What do you think? Tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly <laughs> between hydraulic and electric. Yeah, yeah, we just ordered our first set. Actually, we don't have hands on them yet, but we have got a chance to trial them. And um, yeah, like I said, we we just spent the money and and ordered our first set. And our rural halls are getting outfitted with them here right away. Which you know, um, I think two of the biggest things for me um, on the good side was uh, the amount of space they take up. Right, we don't have to have these big, bulky um, for us in our fire service outside of uh, Station One. We have two trucks at every single station, right? An engine and a tender, and one has an engine and a ladder. So uh, the engine tender halls, like yours, not a lot of room to carry equipment on those trucks, right? So we slam everything in an engine that it needs. We slam everything in a tender that it needs, right? We carry our our, our equipment cash that works for our fire service, and one whole. Um, one whole compartment gets taken up by these rescue tools. And, you know, we're a department that did 500 calls last year and over 50% of that was car accidents, right? We do over 500 kilometers worth of highway alone. So it's something that we got to be good at. And uh, yeah, just, you know, I, I look at the truck layouts and stuff and I'm like, that whole shelf is being taken up by one hydraulic pump, right? Like just think of the things that, you know, we have to have sitting on the floor and grab extra if we were to need it um, on a call because we don't have room on our truck, right? So being able to just streamline some of that stuff, I think was my my biggest one. And uh, my second on the good side was uh, the ability to just uh, have the accessibility to go wherever you want. You're not stuck on the end of a 15 foot line, 30 foot line, 50 foot line, however long, no umbilical cord, foot, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, funny enough, I was just thinking about the other day, we got called for a, a vehicle that was uh, submerged in water and turned out to be something totally different for another day. But um, right, like, that was the first thing that came to mind is like, oh, you know what? Like once we have these new tools, th there's the ability to go in water and actually pop a door. And you're not, you know, you don't have to run 200 feet of hydraulic line into the lake to get there or into a river or, right, they're, they're waterproof there. Um, so then that leads to my biggest worry, obviously, is being from, from Northern Alberta and growing up here my whole life, I know that it gets really cold, right? And um, I was like, oh, I don't know. And it's been the same thing. It's funny. Um, we talk about, right, obviously, it'll come up more firefighters not wanting change and, and, and loving change at the same time. But... Um, since I was a little kid, I always heard it, right? Oh, batteries aren't good enough yet. Batteries aren't good enough yet. Well, I'm 25 years old now, and there's no way that battery technology didn't come a somewhere ways, in yeah. 20 years, right? <laughs> so yeah, we you know we talked about it. We went through it. We uh, our Homatro reps were again Homatro. Um, I, I love Homatro. Uh, we've used a couple different ones, but uh, for me, it's just what I kind of grew up on and great customer service. So we we stick with them and. But yeah, the, you know, they showed us videos, they showed us, right. And they had videos from, from a place they went this year and they had 40 minutes of cutting time in minus 30 weather. So to me, that's huge, right? I remember growing up and you have whatever you're using that's battery powered and, uh, you know, it gets cold and it definitely doesn't work like it works in the summer. Right. So, um, I think that was my worry, but you know, um, I always, uh, one of my biggest things is for fire departments and firefighters is just suggesting, you know, go out there and try different things, right? The nice part about being in emergency services and being in the limelight all the time is these companies, they want your business. They are willing to come up and give you demonstrations on whatever, right? We have a tool shop in town. We buy all of our drills, impacts, stuff like that. Battery powered K-12 saw, battery powered chainsaws now. Like, yeah. you know, it's the it's starting to be the future that we're going into. And uh, it's awesome because he sells four different types of tools there. 
and he's willing any day. He said, you know, come down. They have a shop in the back and he is, you know, he's not even a, a salesman or a sales rep for any of these specific like companies. Try them all right? out. And come and try them. Yeah, Grab a piece of pipe, right? Like, Because everyone likes their own, right? The Walt, Makita, Milwaukee, whatever, Ryobi. There's, there's so many different kinds and, and it's all good. But to me, it's like, we, we want the best one for the fire department. We want the best battery life. We want the fastest charging. We want yep. the ones that have the best warranty. I mean, there's all these things with all of these different kinds of tools. And, and I'm with you, try it out, right? I remember CVFSA and that's going back 2018. And we asked the four tool companies to bring their tools. And I said, I will tell you that I will throw you off the property if you start beacon someone else's tools, right? These firefighters didn't come here from across the country to come to this conference and listen to you yap on and on about your tools or listen to you yap about someone else's tools. They came here to try out your tools. Let your tools do the talking. And if you're not willing to do that, then you shouldn't bring your tools here, right? Let the firefighters figure out. Now, by all means, if they can, hey, this is a new technique or this is a cool way to do this or try that. I mean, we're all about that. Yeah. But to tell me that your cutter cuts better than that guy's cutter or your spreader spreads better than God, that guy's spreader. I don't want to hear it. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to touch it. I want to feel it. I want to decide for myself. And, and again, that's why I'm not against any of the other tools, right? In my career, I've worked with Hearst. I've worked with Amicus. I've worked with TNT. I've worked with Homatro. I've worked with all these different kinds. And, and they're all great in their own way. And everyone has to pick their own kind, right? You get a favorite, you bet. Do I have a favorite kind of fire truck? You bet. Do I have a fire truck I hate? You bet, right? Is there tools the same way? You bet. Is there SCBA the same way? You bet. But um, it's really, you, you bring up a great point, which is just try the crap out of this stuff. Get it to your fire hall, yeah. fire hall and try it, right? Thermal image camera is another, another great example, right? So, um, you know, and then pick what's best for you. Pick what works best for you. Think about the after action sales and service. Think about the cost. Think about the warranty. You know, think about all these things. And all too often, it's just like, oh, this is my favorite salesman, so I get the... I get that stuff. And then it doesn't work for your fire department and you're stuck, right? Because our stuff does have to last 15, 20 years, right? And so if you don't think about it before you buy it, if you don't try it out before you buy it, you're stuck with this stuff for a long time. Yeah. And it's not cheap, right? That's the, it's not cheap. that's the, one of the biggest things for sure is, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. And I mean, it's the same as everything, right? Uh, you look at just the, the basic tools again, Milwaukee, DeWalt, all the, uh, one year someone comes out with a new battery and it lasts longer and then the next year someone comes out with a new right scott msa drag like everything you're, you're gonna always have that competition which makes it good right you need that healthy competition hearst comes out with a new thing and then the next year everyone else comes out with a new thing and then the next time you know two years down the road homatra comes out with it first and then everyone follows and right they all make it a little bit different so their patents are but you know, we expect that in the fire service. We want that in the fire service. I can't say I'm a Homatro guy because Homatro has always been the best. That's false. Homatro has not always been ahead of the game with technology, right? We went from Dragger to Scott. I can't say that we went from Dragger to Scott because Scott's always been the best. False, right? Dragger probably had the newest, best technology at one point. Sure. And, and you want that healthy competition, no, right? No, they do. And they jump over one another, right? And and it's uh, like in that com let's not in that conversation let's not leave out MSA like we didn't get MSA because we hated the dealer but it was a great pack right and the rep that came and showed it to us was a great person great, yeah. and, and uh, you know without that company selling it we might have went with that stuff yeah. right so um, so but we did go with Scott right uh, we got Dragger in my new place Chestermere so it's kind of like going home for me because <laughs> we had Dragger since '94 around Slave how, how do you like the new Scots are they any good? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I, uh, I, the only time I ever really even saw them was at uh, the training school back when I was just a little ankle biter. So, you know, never really got a whole bunch of uh, experience or anything on them. But yeah, I, I, I'm in love. You know, they're they're really really easy to use. Um, I love the the. Uh, quarter turn face piece and the vibra alert right um I, I like it because not not to you know be all about tradition or anything like that but it's nice because if electronics fail you still right that vibra alert is using air right it's not all based on oh you know maybe my batteries died or i had a bad batch of batteries which still happens right yeah, it's not right, yeah. um so back up it's for a backup for yeah backup, right? right like your vibra <laughs> alert is always going to go off even if my batteries die in my whole pack i'm going to know when i get to that spot because my vibra alert's going to go off no matter what right 
unfortunately with with some of the draggers we had in the old days I, i've seen all too many times where people just aren't paying attention and a lot of the time it's operator error but you know we had a really close call one day at the training ground where someone's regulator popped out and they were inside of a, an active live burn right and uh, had to jump out the window and we kind of bailed him out and got his regulator back in but that's scary stuff right so that quarter turn and that you know that knowing and you have the double system of quarter turning and it locks it's again more time to take uh to get used to it and stuff like that but um i'm a really big fan um you know i i like i said i grew up on a totally different system and i didn't know how it was going to be moving to a new one but uh it's it's really uh it's been, been awesome yeah I, I mean again you know getting to work all over western canada has been awesome so you, i mean i see a lot of scott i see a lot of msa uh, i still see some fair amount of dragger too and and to listen to everyone talk about these different kinds and then you'll run into someone that has like the Avon or, or some, one of these smaller manufacturers, yeah. right? Even Honeywell, Honeywell for a while. And, and it's just like, those guys just aren't as happy, right? And uh, and so you can see why it's hard to get into that game. There's kind of these few big manufacturers that kind of have it dialed in and they jump over top of each other with technology, um, but it, it's fun to listen to. So like you have the Insight, which is the thermal image camera inside the mask, yeah. right? Some of the MSAs have it on the pass alarm on, yeah. on the regulator. Um, and it's fun to just kind of listen to all of the technology. And then you can feel how firefighters get so worked up, right? They're like, how can we not have where these packs track? How can we not, you know, and they, there's been so many different stabs at it, right? MSA has got a current one going. I remember the old Merlin system from Drager and, and Scott's working on theirs. Like everybody has a system they're trying to perfect, but we all forget that we're going into a terrible environment. There's cement, there's steel, there's thick wood. There's all these things that block all of these signals. And that's, what's killing us. It's not the technology. The, the technology that's killing us is that Bluetooth, right? Sound waves can't go through a foot of concrete. They can't go through steel walls. They can't Absolutely. They can't uh, tell us which level, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, but I watch TV. I watch the movies. And, you know, the Navy SEALs have this stuff. And, yeah, okay, to be fair, that's who we want to have the greatest technology on the planet, <laughs> yeah. right? Those, those people whose lives depend on it. Because what happens is they'll use it. They'll figure it out. They'll make it great, right? And then we'll get it. Yeah. So I keep telling everyone it's on the way, you know, calm down, wait, yeah. it's on the way they're using it at those high levels, um, you know, with those bigger budgets, we'll get it eventually. Yeah. Uh, and I think it'll be unreal. Mm -hmm. I remember trying the, the Scott Insight mask on one time and it actually worked out for me. The eye line all worked up and um, it was kind of cool. I, I felt like I was an Apache helicopter pilot for a few minutes there looking through a mask and your eyes are trying to do two different things, which didn't work out great for me but you know being able to see thermal kind of on one side and real life on the other it, it was a cool and, and i just think like can you imagine what the techno technology is going to look like by the end of my career yeah. like 15 years from now will we just slide a helmet on and we'll be advanced very right? very advanced yeah, yeah for so. sure no it's definitely and you even see those strides right like every now there's lots of manufacturers coming out with small tick cameras right so every single i think la county just outfitted every single firefighter oh, the, the seek, first big the seek, seek right yeah. which is awesome right like it just gives you so much more and you know what if it's not ready to be inside of a mask or incorporated in a pack in some way that's another you know i think they're like just over $200 Canadian to outfit every single firefighter. You spend $10,000 on a set of bunker gear. Like that is such yeah. a good investment. I, to I got to tell you, cause Ben will cry if I don't, it's, it's more like a thousand bucks a go. Okay. All right. <laughs> but at the same time, it's uh yeah, I hear what you're Still, saying, right? We, we 20 people's 20 grand. Yeah. And you, instead of buying three thermal image cameras, everyone has. One. Exactly. It's uh, it is funny though. I just, I actually was just meeting with some of our radio reps the other day and uh, our local radio rep was meeting with uh, some of the AFRAX guys from Edmonton and I was kind of standing there just, you know, minding my business, uh, get telling them some of the struggles we've had. And and uh, our local radio guy turns and looks at the Edmonton guy and says, you know, we ought to remember we're still working with firefighters though, right? They expect it to work everywhere in every single building and they both <laughs> just started laughing and I'm standing there and I'm like, that's a really good point, right? Like I do, ex that's exactly what I expect, I, yeah. right? But, and and you got these two guys who know everything about our system, everything about the big system and they're laughing like it ain't happening with exactly. this, right? Yeah. So uh, just those things that you got to work around and, you know, you can't be in the bottom of the basement corner and on the 30th floor <laughs> and be talking to each other. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not going to work. No, that's true. It's good. It's good stuff. 
So you and I, we had this like great conversation the other day. I wish I would have recorded that. We were in the truck. We were, you came to visit us, Chestermere, and uh, you were telling me about this new, maybe it's not that new anymore, but this program that you were working on called Nozzle Forward. So shout out to those guys. The, uh, and uh, so I was kind of like rolling my eyes, doing the old man, old chief type thing, right? And and I was like, okay, but but tell me. So your girlfriend and my wife, your mom sitting in the back and they're rolling their eyes. They don't, you know, listen to these two idiots talk about something or fight about something. And, uh, and so you started rolling. And I would tell you that, like, this hurts my feelings to say, but in 30 minutes, you probably completely changed my mind about something in a way of something that I thought about for 30 years now. So good on you for doing that because hardly anyone can do that. Um, and second to that was um, one of the guys that got you interested in it and started rolling, I work with now in Chestermere. And so when I got back, I was quick to point out to him and say, hey, you know, thanks for getting Ryan on this. And they've all been talking about it and they're moving to the system. And, you know, where are we with this system and how are we going to move it forward? So um, it, I'm kind of a double-edged sword on this one. I, I go from fire department to fire department, right? Almost 400 across the country now. And I see that I call them the YouTube warriors, right? So every new thing that comes out on YouTube, they got to try it. They got the tool, they got the, the process, they got the acronyms. There's a new acronym being invented every 15 seconds in firefighting. <laughs> and, and so, you know, they pick them all up, but then they actually don't know what they mean. And they haven't changed the equipment or the training or anything to, to line up with it. And, and so it was one thing that I was always proud of you guys here. I didn't do a bunch of the training. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't even fully understand everything that you guys were always working on. I just supported it, right? So if you guys thought it was a good idea and you wanted to try it, you know, we'll find the money, we'll do the training, I support it. Um, and so this is one example, I guess, um, the Nozzle Forward program that I, I was like, wow, this is like a game changer. They, they didn't just come up with a new acronym. They didn't just come up with a flashy title. They actually kind of are trying to change the game. Yeah. And so I think that's what made it so cool for me. For sure. Yeah. You know, I, uh, it's been around a lot. Uh, social media is as, as awful as it is and connects us all in awful ways. It also connects us in really good ways. And, um, you know, through, uh, the guy you're talking about that came up and did some instructing up here for, for, a, a school, and we kind of got. Let, let's put his name out there, Kimball, just because he'll be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Kimball. We blame you, Kimball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was up here, you know, uh, teaching for school, and we started talking about it, and it was all stuff that I'd seen for a long time, and and then just through building the training program and helping build the training program in Slave Lake, and um, just the way that firefighting has changed has um, made people come up with these new, new ways. Right. And, um, I was just talking to the guys this morning, we were doing some training yesterday and, you know, we, we still go back to that way of the first guy has a nozzle and then we invented these pistol grips and now we can't move anywhere. And the, the second guy was supposed to be right on them, touching them. Right. And NFPA still teaches the, the safest way and the best way and has the standards for the best way. But we've come up with ways to still be able to meet those standards, but, also be able to work effectively and efficiently at, at getting jobs done, right? So um, from, you know, I look at even when I started eight, nine years ago, coming to fire practices and stuff, and it was always, you know, you never want to disrupt thermal balance. And, um, you know, we can only put little bits of water on the fire and, you know, all this stuff. And, and now some of what Nozzle Forward came from is, uh, uh, what if we overcame the amount of heat in a specific environment with copious amounts of water, right? So instead of making, you know, we were worried before because that environment was so hot, we wanted to just give little shots to cool what we could. Um, and we didn't want it to go too much because then it would turn steam and push down on us. What if we just overcame it with water? What's the only thing on planet earth that cools things and puts out fire? Water on fire puts fire out and cool on hot makes things cool, right? So uh, a guy named Aaron Fields came up with uh, uh, Nozzle Forward. Kimball actually got to go, lucky lucky guy, got to go to one of Aaron's courses that uh, that he came up to Canada and put on in Alberta with a whole bunch of different fire departments. And uh, you can tell I'm jealous, obviously. Yeah, i um, <laughs> to, to send you down there when COVID lets up. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and so Nozzle Forward is very much just about um, 
you know, whether you're keeping the nozzle open and, you know, so now there's new tactics where you're actually keeping the nozzle open and pushing the, the, the nozzle firefighter is pushing forward while the nozzle is open. So you're flowing water from the time you get in there. And that's allowing us to go into some of these buildings where we might not have went in before um, because of not necessarily building construction or anything like that, but just fire load. Um, it's allowing us to, to slowly try and put that fire out even more and push in further and further and and do it safely, right? Because we're, we're just flowing, we're overcoming that heat and that with just copious amounts of water, right? And um, it's, uh, you know, now uh, uh, with all the different studies and stuff that come out, I'll do my shout outs, uh, UL Fire uh, Laboratories in, in the US, um, they actually have a website. If you search UL Fire on Google, you can go on and you can sign up for free. You just have to put in what fire department you are, what rank you are, and you can do, um, I think they have like close to 200 hours of free training and it's it's awesome because it, it's some of my favorite training that I've ever taken and it's all online. But why I like it is it's all science-based. There's no opinion on smooth bore versus fog nozzle. There's no opinion on, they'll tell you that fog nozzle is this good, smooth bore is this good, fog nozzle on straight stream is this good, fog nozzle on power cone yeah. is this good. And, it's and there's right no, there. yeah, like you know what? If you have an opinion on it, that's great. You can shove it up your ass and move on because this is UL and they did the science behind it and they calculate every single little drop they burn full-scale buildings inside of warehouses and you know like i don't know i i, I guess it's how I, it should be right yeah. it's not yeah it's not just oh this is the guy that thought up the next acronym and threw it on youtube and now we should exactly. all switch to it it's actually right? science driven absolutely and then you know from there where it comes up is um being able to flow and go and all this stuff is uh is great but you need to have the right tools in your toolbox too right so that brings me to my second shout out engine company resurrection on on facebook uh, i followed them for a couple of years now um they're a great group um super awesome uh it is like such a safe as you know as liberal as that sounds to me maybe such a safe community um guys go on there and ask questions that are, are something that's totally known over the fire fire service and you know uh, uh his name's kyle the guy who runs it and started it and uh they shut it down right away right there's no time for hatred and back and forth like it's all constructive criticism yeah. and how can we be better say, together say it, right? right and yeah. and it's awesome like it's just such a good uh um and, and they're growing every day and it's cool but that's really where some of the attack packages and stuff got out of right so um you know we talk about nozzle forward and if you're gonna push forward while you're flowing water well you got to do it um in a safe way and flowing a line at 200 psi to achieve 100 psi at the nozzle that's a lot of back pressure. That's a, not a nozzle pressure, right? So now we're seeing these low flow nozzles. So big reason why people always stuck with smoothbore is it only takes 50 PSI out of the nozzle as opposed to 100 PSI fog nozzle. Well, now some of these companies are coming out with 50 PSI fog nozzles, right? So now all of a sudden we just did a switch on, on our frontline squad and uh, uh, our old, we were using inch and a half hose with 100 PSI nozzles and our pump discharge pressure on that line had to be at 181 PSI to achieve what we needed. So that's a ton of nozzle reaction. Uh, we were up in the 80s for nozzle reaction when we actually tested it. So how much pressure a firefighter is holding forward? We switched to new um, kink resistant hose, inch and three quarter. So uh, your coefficient is less, less, uh, less uh, friction loss and 50 PSI fog nozzles that have a break off tip with smooth bore. So now it doesn't matter what your opinion is. You can use either one and I don't care anymore. It's great. Um, Sorry, I just fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it, it's awesome now all of a sudden. So we have three lengths, inch and three quarter and a 50 PSI nozzle and we're, our pump pressure has to be at 110. So we save 70 PSI worth of, right? So now- When you need it, you got exactly, it. Exactly, so, yeah. right? Now all of a sudden our whole our whole truck is working less hard, right? So, I mean, you can get into it for days and days and days, but it's just one of those yeah. things that we can't just keep, this is a perfect example of, we can't just keep saying, we've always done it this way. Um, you know what, awesome. Inch and three, or sorry, inch and a half hose when it came out, it was probably the cat's ass. It was double jacketed, awesome, right? 100 PSI nozzles, all of a sudden you can do smooth or uh, straight stream or fog, right? Like yeah. back 20 years ago, that was like, holy, like we are making strides in the fire service. Yeah. Well, you know what, we still have this, but now we have different options, right? Yeah, we have um, to keep making strides. Exactly, in the right? You gotta forward. keep keep and going. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I work for Seahawk, you know, and, and help out with the evaluation tools. So we get to go to all these fire departments 
uh, across Western Canada. And, it, and it's been so fun to go there and see all of these different things, right? And it's never like, I don't have time to gather up all this stuff that you just said, right? And uh, you were using math too, so you lost me there. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I love to connect people with people, right? And so, you know, since you and I work for different fire departments, we still phone each other and ask opinion, and then we get other people to phone each other, and then we get other fire departments to phone other fire departments. And by the time you're all done, it's just like this super awesome connection of people sharing their opinion. And then you've kind of been my science guy, right? So you're like, okay, you know, everyone has an opinion, go to this site and look at this site and read all that stuff yourself, make up your own mind, right? Then call all your buddies and get their opinion. And so it's kind of fun to, to do those kinds of things. We got a guy at work, Paul, that does a lot of water rescue stuff. And so he's always working on stuff and trying to, and so I've connected him up with a whole bunch of water rescue guys. And I was sitting around last night and my buddy Jay that works for Regina, hey Jay, uh, Regina Fire Department, um, just shoots me a message on Facebook and said, hey, I was just reading this thing about the aqua. I would like check out that demo. And so, you know, now we got two provinces connected, never mind just a bunch of us. And so that's the part of the fire service that I love. And, and it's kind of the part of why we're doing this podcast and why we're all on social media and, and, you know, why we're all connected, trying to keep track of each other and what's going on these conversations are what keeps me going yeah. right it's not uh, no one person can know it all so know some people that know some people that mm -hmm. can give you the information that you're looking for and you can talk it through and move it through and uh you know there's still so many outfits out there that got a bunch of dinosaurs standing around waiting for the ice age to come and freeze them all to death and they won't make a move and they won't try to to change the outcome I feel like the fire service is not like that, yeah. right? So as much as what are two things firefighters hate change in the way it is now, it's kind of a false prophecy because we do love to change. We do like to move forward. We do like to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not all of us and maybe not at the same pace, um, but we are a changing, learning, moving forward type uh, organization. And so to me, that's the funnest part. It doesn't matter if I'm in Halifax talking to the boys or, you know, I come across the country and I'm in Carmen, Manitoba, or I stop in Prince Albert, uh, Saskatchewan. I could be in the smallest little place or the biggest uh, city. And it's like everyone just wants to, hey, what's the newest thing? What's the greatest thing? Yeah. And kind of going through it, right? So so the last big topic I want to tackle is trucks, right? We all have our favorites. We were just in the Bay 25 minutes ago talking with the, the boys about it, what we like, what we don't like. I'm going to try not to shout out too many names because I got some some that I hate and some that I love, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it's really about looking at all of the different options, right? So yeah. if you're going to buy a custom truck, doesn't that mean you should customize it to the way that you want it to be? And shouldn't the builder customize it the way that you need it for your fire service? And obviously, like very different what you need in Slave Lake than what you need in Chestermere. Very different from what Chestermere needs to what Van City of Vancouver needs or City of Toronto or right. And so you're gonna spend the money, you're gonna invest in this project. You should get what you want. And it's been really hard to get people to think like that. They again, it's kind of like we find a salesman, oh, we trust this guy, and he's gonna sell us this truck. And it might not be the truck that we need. It might not fit the equipment, right? So you said, you know, take your equipment off, take pictures of all of it, have the manufacturer come out and look at your equipment, build us a truck to put this equipment on it, not build us a truck and we'll figure out how to put our equipment on it. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, I, uh, a lot of these places, as soon as a manufacturer makes one truck, they keep that forever. Right, even if it was the craziest one-off truck, somebody wanted a god-awful eight-in-one <laughs> everything. The hundred and twenty-five implements. Yeah, exactly, Swiss right? yeah. Once you build it, they they keep the schematics for the shelves. They keep the schematics for the tanks and the hose beds and the right and and then they can build those and make them into whatever you want out of a truck. Right. So yeah, it's really important to to talk to those people. And you know what? Yeah, I get it. Um, these trucks are becoming more and more expensive and more and more, and uh, you know, things on them and all this stuff. But your community is investing into this for, you know, 15, 20 years, most communities. Um, you need what what's going to work, right? You got to spend the money and get what's going to work. And you know what? Uh, it might hurt some people's feelings here, but 
at the end of the day, all the the reason that these these trucks are are costing one point five million dollars and a million dollars is because you want them to. You want them to be fancy. You want them to have all the bells and the whistles and the stupid light on the front that spins and the bell that you can press a button and it dings. It, okay, yes, there's some pride and some professionalism and and whatever in that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you have a set amount of money for a truck. What should always come first is what's going to serve your community the best. It's not about us. It's about them. Whether you're paid, whether you're volunteer, the people who put you on the road every day are the taxpayers and we're here to work for them. So we should set all of our stuff up to carry the best equipment and be organized in the right way so that it's user friendly for everyone so that we can go and serve them the best. Because I can tell you what, no one that's ever been trapped inside of a fire or inside of a car has ever cared when your fancy little bell shows up and it's dinging all the way down the street and you sound like a street car, right? They care that your siren's loud, your lights light up, people get out of the way and notice you. And when you get there, if you have to pull a hose, it pulls in 30 seconds instead of 45 seconds, right? Your pump primes in 10 seconds instead of a minute. That's what people care about because, and they don't actually care about the details of it, but they care because How they're stuck the water inside of yeah. somewhere and they need out, right? So I think the biggest problem in the fire service that we run into is, is people not remembering that we're here for them. We're not here for us. That's great that you have an opinion. That's great that I have an opinion. But at the end of the day, we need to buy things and practice and train on things that work to serve the people better. Yeah, we're, we're fully aligned. I think the only thing I'll add to that is firefighter safety, right? So there's things you can get on a truck that make it better on our back so you don't have to lift so much and there's less pinch points and, you know, uh, pump and roll so you can do some stuff from the seat and, and, and the technology changes. And that's the thing is, you know, okay, I bought a $2 million ladder truck. Is that what our community needs? That's what yeah, you're saying, exactly. right? Or could we have bought an $800,000 straight stick and it still does elevated master stream and rescues and we're good. And it's uh, what people can afford and what people uh, tell their council they need and all of those different things, right? But I'm with you and that's part of the evaluation tool is, you know, what's the community hazard assessment? What what do we actually need to have here? Yeah. And to have an opinion that that's based on some looking at the community, looking yeah. at the hazard, looking at the risk. Uh, and then to buy something that works for our firefighters is safe for our firefighters and helps the community with these problems. So I, I think that there's a big shakeup. I keep saying it, everyone keeps telling me I'm wrong, but I think there's a big shakeup coming in that industry. Um, you know, all these communities buying $2 million ladder trucks that don't need $2 million ladder trucks. It's gonna come to an end. The, you know, people are gonna stop buying into that and start saying what what's out there that we actually need. To need, do. yeah, exactly. I think right? that's, uh, yeah, that's one of the biggest things, right? It's just, uh, it, it's the same as level of service, right? Um, so you buy a $2 million ladder truck that goes 125 feet and your biggest building in town is is three stories and the, foot, the <laughs> footprint is only 10,000 square feet. Well, guess what? You don't need a 125 foot ladder truck, right? You need to right size it for what you have. It's the same thing as, you know, um, you send somebody out on a, on a swift water course and, and they have no swift water in their area at all, but it was a cool course they wanted to take. And then they come back and someone approves them to buy all swift water stuff. And then that leads to not enough room on their engine. And then they need a rescue for their community because now all of a sudden they, like somebody has to look at this stuff and say, what are your levels of service and and why do we need this equipment, right? Um, and, I, and eventually it hurts us all. Exactly. Right? It's, yep. Somebody's going to catch on. Someone's going to go, wow, did we ever get the wool pulled over our eyes and this is stupid. And yeah. it turns us all into a bunch of uh, conniving liars, right? Which we're not. I mean, you know, people are doing it. I like to think everyone's doing it for the right reasons and trying to figure it out. But I guess what we're both trying to say is just think, right? Think about it, make a plan, work the plan, yeah. um, and make sure that that's for your community, not mm -hmm. not because you got the biggest one or the coolest yeah. one or the most expensive one or you pulled one over on somebody, but you actually need that stuff. And that, that would I would say that's the same for all of our equipment, all of yeah. our training, all of our, mm -hmm. you know, we're still working in a, an agency that'll spend $5,000 a year on prevention and $2 million a year on operations, right? It's it's a broken system. We, we yeah. have pieces that we have to fix too. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we'll spend twenty five thousand dollars on training and a million and a half dollars on staffing. 
<laughs> you, you know, it's you, we got to fix all the pieces at the same time. And, and I get it's hard, but these conversations, right? You, you can go online and you can look at these different people having these different conversations. No different than us. You can listen yeah. to us talk about it um, and how do we fix it and how do we move forward? Right. So I think that the whole game is changing. Right. These tired old consultants that do the same report they've been doing for 20 years and they they give the they just change the name if they remember to. And you just get the same report and the same crap, right? And so, you know, crap in, crap out. We're actually looking for people to change the game for us and to tell us how to yeah. move this forward. And uh, so, I mean, I'm really proud of the work that we did in Slave Lake. I'm really proud that a lot of that moved into the evaluation tool with Seahawk and that we're moving that out into the group. And I'm sure there's a bunch of old crusty consultants that used to listen to this that'll stop today. And that's okay. Because those are not the guys that we're here to help out and talk about. We're here to help out your average everyday firefighter. We're here to help out your average everyday counselor that's trying to make a good decision for their community and, and help them understand how we do that and how we move this forward. So, you know what? Final thoughts. What What's the new, the, you know, the new, the old? How, how do we move this all forward? You know, I think I think the biggest thing is just keeping an open mind, right? Like I said, with the, the tool uh, example, um, ask questions, right? Um, you are not the first person that has had that thought. If you were, you'd be a millionaire. I guarantee <laughs> it, right? So ask questions, um, expand your group, try and try and look at different things and different people's opinions and, and talk about things, right? If you have a chance, if you have, you know, uh, 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 sales reps that are willing to go out and, and let you try things, go try things, right? Just because you ask some company to bring a truck up and and you end up hating it when they leave doesn't mean you have to buy it from them right that's what they're there for they're salesmen they, their whole gig is to try and, and try and sell you on things right so yeah i think just keeping an open mind keeping the dialogue and the conversations rolling right and and uh just try and try your best to lose the attitude of we've always done it this way right um we all get caught up in it every single one of us have said it before um we've all thought it we've all been uh totally against new things because of it so i think the biggest thing is you know just keeping those conversations rolling and uh being open to new changing things and you know you know i challenge people to try to be different right if you if you found a new technique or something like that or something you want to try or someone brings up hey maybe we could try it this way for all you old crusty officers out there the next time you go on a alarm call try it someone else's way ask somebody right ask your rookie what what, what do you think we should do why how could we try it some other way right is it gonna hurt it's an alarm call right yeah alarms can be serious yeah we got to take them serious but why not try it right maybe it's a way that you know isn't going to work but they think it is let them try see how it fails and then oh hey we could learn from this and maybe we can modify it so that it works a different way right um i think some of the best leaders out there are the ones who can talk to the other people and and get different opinions right and um, especially when you're in those situations where it's not life or death and you have a little bit of time just Ask somebody else what they think, right? Yeah. Try it a different way. Like to tell everybody, right? Try them all, buy one. Don't try one, buy one, yeah. right? It, it's just not how it's done anymore, right? Yeah. See see what works for you. See what works for your fire service. What works for you might not work for your neighbor. And, uh, you know, so folks, tons of opinions here, obviously. We're we're venting a bit. We're talking a bit. We're trying to, you know, teach and, and learn at the same time from each other. Um, Ryan and I are, are lucky to have this great relationship where we can move this stuff back and forth. And uh, he's not always right. And I'm not always right. But uh, we like to have these conversations. We're happy to be able to share this with you. So episode, episode 17, Growing Up Fire, right here in Slave Lake, Ryan Coots and myself. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, I know. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.